Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, September 23rd, and this is your FT News Briefing. The Federal Reserve's timeline for raising interest rates seems to be inching closer, and a U.S. State Department advisor defends the new security pact with the U.K. and Australia. Meanwhile, some big names are lining up behind a former Treasury Secretary's private equity fund. Plus, market analysts are debating whether the crisis at one of China's biggest property developers could wreak havoc on global markets. The FT's James King reminds us that China's not a free market financial system. The government in Beijing says to the banks, "Okay, I need you to start bailing out a certain property developer. Those banks cannot but follow the orders of the central government. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The Federal Reserve meeting yesterday was a bit of a doozy. It was really quite important, uh, possibly the most important uh, meeting of the year. That's the FT's Washington bureau chief, James Politi, pretty much summing it up. He said the Fed signaled it's ready to start slowing its $120 billion a month asset purchases. That's the bond buying program to support the U.S. economy during the pandemic. He also said the Fed's starting to contemplate interest rate increases starting next year. The takeaway is that the Fed believes that the economy is sort of strong enough that it can live without massive monetary support. So it's sort of brushing away some of the concerns about the Delta variant on the U.S. recovery. It's confident that sort of the fiscal policy environment will be conducive to stronger and more sustainable growth. And it shows the inflationary concerns that have flared up this year are not expected to deliver a sort of massive blow to the economy either. The Fed is confident that inflation will be transitory. It will, it will start to raise interest rates maybe sooner than it had anticipated, um, but it does not expect any kind of stagflation scenario. So James, I got to ask, uh, considering all the news that came out of yesterday, why were the markets so calm? Uh, the S&P was up, you know, just shy of a percent. But, you know, usually markets hate the prospect of rate increases. They love low rates because it means cheap money sloshing around the economy. So, you know, what gives? I think that, first of all, the, um, the idea of a tapering timeline beginning in November had been amply telegraphed, really, by the Fed and other Fed officials in the in the last few weeks. So that was expected. And on the interest rate increases, I think it's true that it was a bit of a surprise to see the split, the sort of nine to nine split on the FOMC between those who believe the first interest rate increase will happen next year and those who think it will happen uh, in 2023. I think that that was a bit of a surprise. But I think Markets and investors and economists are, are gradually becoming more accustomed to a slightly more hawkish uh, Federal Reserve. That was the FT's Washington bureau chief, James Politi. Former U.S. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin just landed a big investment from SoftBank. 
Japan's tech conglomerate has invested an undisclosed sum of money in Mnuchin's new private equity fund. The fund's worth $2.5 billion, and it's called Liberty Strategic Capital. SoftBank will join another big backer, Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund. A source told the FT that SoftBank's move to invest in Mnuchin's Liberty Strategic Capital was influenced by the Saudi fund, which is administered by Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. The big story in the markets this week has been the financial crisis at one of China's biggest property developers, Evergrande. One of the things the saga illustrates is just how huge a role property has played in China's economic growth story. The building boom has been extraordinary, but now, according to one eye-popping statistic, there's enough empty apartment space to accommodate 90 million people. So what are Chinese officials doing with all those unoccupied apartments? They're blowing them up. Well, at least in this case. You're listening to the sound of a forest of half-built high-rises in southwest China crumbling after a demolition explosion. Here's the FT's James King with some background. There has been the biggest migration in human history from rural areas in China to uh, cities over the last 20 or 30 years. Hundreds of millions of Chinese rural residents have moved to the cities and therefore uh, there had to be a big building boom to accommodate them. But the other side of it is the way that financing works in China is such that these are state-owned banks uh, that are very reluctant to withdraw their credit from property developers, thereby causing those property developers to go bust. And, and so that has really been the reason why this oversupply of property has persisted for, for several years now. So James, long term, demand is expected to fall, right? The Chinese overall population is not yet in decline, but it is moving towards decline. And because the number of women between the the key childbearing ages of 22 and 35 is expected to decline by about 30% over the next decade, people are predicting significant population decline over that 10-year period. And this means that there will be much less demand for the property that is already heavily oversupplied in cities across the country. And that leads to projections that many property developers, which have huge debts on their books, are facing a rather unsustainable future. So, James, there's another aspect to this we recently learned from our economics reporter in China, Sun Yu. He told us that local governments, like big cities are really dependent on property sales. This is really the untold story. The truth about how local governments, several thousands of them all over China, finance themselves is really revealing and very much dependent on the property market itself. Uh, About one third of the revenue that these local governments uh, get comes from selling land to developers which then, of course, use that land to build high-rise apartment blocks, etc. So if the developers are now in the state of facing a, a really lackluster market, not being able to sell the property that they've built, they are not going to have the money available to buy the land. And that means that these local governments are going to face a, a really big hole in their balance sheets. 
And that will mean that they may not be able to finance the bonds that they have issued in order to build infrastructure all over China, which is another big part of China's uh, growth picture. That we can see that this is already starting to happen. So do you see a broader systemic crisis looming in China's financial system, given how huge property is as a proportion of GDP? When we talk about systemic crisis and China, we always have to bring in the enormous power of the Chinese Communist Party, because basically this is not a free market financial system. If the government in Beijing says to the banks, "Okay, I need you to start bailing out a certain property developer, those banks cannot but follow the orders of the central government. So Uh, What we're probably talking about is not a systemic problem in the sense that we would perceive it in the West, i.e. contagion. That type of scenario in China is is quite difficult to, to give credence to. So it's likely that there would be a much more gentle retreat of financing to property developers, but this would be managed in a way by Beijing that would not cause the collapse of let's say, several property developers or several hundred property developers and thereby bring about an economic uh, crisis for the country. James King is the FT's global China editor. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson was in Washington this week and met President Joe Biden and appears to have been a Pretty happy visit, coming off a week after the UK and the US joined Australia to form a new security partnership to counter China. The pact ruffled some feathers, though, including those of France. Australia canceled a huge submarine contract with France and will buy nuclear subs from the US instead under the deal. Here's US State Department Counselor Derek Cholet with a little bit of context. The capability of the nuclear-powered subs in particular is substantial in the sense of uh, their ability to project power throughout the Indo-Pacific. But also the deal uh, over time could lead into other areas of military procurement, whether it's artificial intelligence, quantum, all sorts of stuff that is going to help define the militaries of the future. That was U.S. State Department Counselor Derek Cholet speaking with the FT's Gideon Rockman. You can hear the entire conversation in this week's episode of our Rockman Review podcast, which comes out every Thursday. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. 
Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.